Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Hey, welcome to Inside Inside Conan. Yeah, Inside Conan. Colon, an important Hollywood podcast. Yeah. I'm Jesse Gaskell. I'm Mike Sweeney. We're writers here on The Conan Show, and we have a very, we're very excited about today's guest. Yes, we, we we got it. We hooked a big fish today, and we dedicated the whole show to him. Yeah, he's he's a talker. He's fantastic. I think he uh, enjoyed having people to listen to him. Yes, um, but yes, Andy Richter, and not interrupt him. The uh, <laughs> that's foreshadowing. <laughs> um, Andy Richter, the sidekick of our show, Andy, long running, and Andy, who's you know. Uh, started on the show before it even went on the air back That's right. in the, the summer first writer of hired. 1993. So mm-hmm. he has a lot of great stories. He does. A lot of insight into how this place mm-hmm. works. And we're also going to handle a listener question on today's show. Yeah. we. I've been really enjoying those voicemails. Keep those coming. Yeah. They're fantastic. But first, here's Andy. We're We're joined by someone who I think has... Pretty good insight into how this weird place works. Yes. Even though he he's really worked it so he has this great office all the <laughs> all the way at the end of a hallway where you truly have to go there, out yeah, of your way a lot to of hunt him down. It's gaps. very, very smart. This Oh, Andy Richter. Hello. Oh yes, Andy Hi. Richter. Hi. Hello. Hello. We always forget to say who it is. Andy so everyone Richter. knows his voice. Um they should. No, this place is it is First of all, I was tailor-made to be uh, a sidekick because I was raised into a family who I never got a one fucking minute to decide what I want <laughs> because there was always four other voices telling me what they wanted. Hmm. And I and I'm uh, and I'm good at facilitating and I I at an early age f- derived pleasure from helping other people sure. and and like my mother will say to me like uh, when you were like, uh, you know, 11 years old, I stopped arguing with you because you won all the arguments. And she said, <laughs> and then I started asking you for advice because you gave real great advice, which is all sounds real cute until you realize it's the dissolution of a family. Yes. And she's asking me for advice about that. <laughs> oh, I thought you were so, winning arguments to solve the family. No. Okay. I, <laughs> you fucker. Well, I was just. <sighs> please. Don't joke. I'm trying to share I'm here. I'm not joking. Uh, no, no. My yeah, no, that's too much no. responsibility. Yeah, no. Child. So 
I'm born to be codependent. I'm born to be next to someone more high strung who needs it more, who, <laughs> you know, is just who like needs to control the agenda more. Whereas I base, but I, you know, I mean, I get what I want out of life and I also control the person that thinks they're controlling things. Right. Yes. So it's a little bit of a puppet. Yeah. Master. Yeah. But I mean, that person who won their arguments is clearly they, they have a big picture. Well, going yeah. On. I mean, so are you saying Conan's your mother? Is huh? that, is Conan your mother? Yeah. Or one of your siblings, you know? No, because you I said four. You said four people were kind of like. Well, but I, 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 I picked a number, all right. and they're not. No, they're, and I don't want to. No, first of all, I'm all just what I've said right. is going to cause, <laughs> of course. Like, why do you always say that? I didn't, but you know, in fairness, you know. we really pulled it out of you. <laughs> uh, uh, also, they're probably not listening to this. No, that's yeah, actually they probably aren't. I mean, although I don't know, you know, I was on uh, Mark Marin. WTF, like yeah. in its very early, early days. And I thought, Obama. I thought, well, yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, and I just thought, podcasts, like, what are those? <laughs> Radio. No, no problem. I can tell them all I want about my family. Yeah. <laughs> some fucker emails my dad uh, and oh. says, You got to hear all this stuff your son said about you. <gasps> and then I get it from my mom, too. You know, who then my dad sent it on to my mom <laughs> and my mom. And like it was things that where I said, like, um, like the family pastime was uh, sitting somewhere doing nothing and judging all the people that were doing things. <laughs> and that how we all lived under a huge like how like, you know, like the main thing that we had in common was the big umbrella of depression that we <laughs> lived under. Well, that's not bad. And uh, oh, not when for my mother, it's terrible. Oh. And she's like, and she's saying, she's like, I wish sometimes you would. Tem well, that's not very flattering. I wish sometimes you would temper your. This, you know, your your uh, descriptions of our family and the criticisms with some positive things. And I said, all right, that's fair. I, that is fair. That is yeah. fair. And I will attempt to do that. And she said, because I don't think that we just sit around criticizing everybody. I, we don't let like that's not all we do. I think we're we can be very positive within a minute. She's talking <laughs> about her sister <laughs> And and her husband, and saying, "Oh my God, they're such a fucking mess. They got you know they're <laughs> so far in debt, and he's just so the the." And I was like, and I said, "Yeah, yeah, mom, we're real, we're real positive, aren't we? We're real fucking uh, Pollyannas about everything, aren't we?" If you give me and a I sec, just, I'm emailing your dad. It was but anyway, just, go ahead. It was so perfect because it was like one of those yeah. just like where she was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, got her. Fuck you, mom." Well, no one likes yeah. to really be honest about what the family dynamic is. I, I mean, do. I'm fine with it. Cause I mean, it's, it's, it's the, it's the example for the world. You fix the yeah. family, you fix the world. Mm -hmm. So don't be so fucking scared to be broken yeah. and to be talk about how you're broken and fix it. You know, if fixing the family is the way to fix the world, we're Absolutely. all in big trouble. Well, I, no, but, uh, but no, but it is. I right. mean, I believe in that. I believe in you believe that. Families I believe, are fi fixable I with a lot of work. If, the family is that is the laboratory yes. for the way that you mm -hmm. interact with the world. So you feel there's yeah. been growth within your family, the people you're talking about right now. No, oh. no, oh. no. <laughs> so I mean, there's been, there's been growth in terms of like how I deal with it. Right. Yeah, there's yeah. been growth in terms of like uh, boundaries set and distances set mm -hmm. and right. like, and just shit that I'm not going to put up with anymore. Right. You know, so, uh, 
Well, yeah. And for your mom, I mean, if your mom is listening, you know, I think one of the positive reflections on your family is that you turned out so well and that you were successful and, you know, well adjusted now. And mm. so I'm just saying yes. that, that that you're can, being very, you're, mm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying I'm to always, give her something. No, I'm always amazed. And I really and I think this is a wonderful, wonderful thing that uh, that they're the tribe of women are so protective of each other, especially even ones that they don't even know. <laughs> it amazes me. It amazes me sometimes where it's just like, uh, I can't, and the details of it that have happened in my life lately are, are that's how oppressive white males are <clears throat> that they need even long distance they have to be bonded together well no I yeah, get it right exactly no yeah. I mean it's like you know women gotta stick out for of each course. other uh, stick up for each other right. because they, they get the shit end of the stick virtually everywhere on earth well, that changes now. Uh, Andy and so. I are really going to stick up for each other. But anyway, well, <laughs> okay. but you know, your notion of like me being off in a corner, which is very right. true. I ha- I ha- I am on an island here, right. um, mm-hmm. and that is well. Well, you have a, you're protected by you have a, the you have a gatekeeper. Your assistant, Galee. Oh yeah, she's a real <laughs> she's a real fucking bulldog. Uh, half the time, she's not even there. I said, like whenever she she's the, she, the sweetest she te- person. She texts me things, and she's like, "Would it be okay if I cu- if I." come in to, like an hour late for work and then I'll just like text her back like air quotes work ha 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 like what the fuck are you talking about work what is there to do for me please although now lately we I all just, need to keep yeah. up a facade now yes. I ought to be paying her therapist fees but uh, <laughs> oh, oh, ear, oh you're playing creasing. therapist for her no 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 oh, she, I should you. be paying her therapist oh. fees yeah yeah no, oh, I'm, oh, oh. I'm creasing okay. her ear um, but yeah, is no, that is giving you good advice. Yes. All right. Yeah. She's a, uh, no, she's a lovely person. She's a, a very, uh, very empathetic, very important person. She, I knew her, she babysat for my kids. She babysat before. for our kids before she babysat for your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so she was, she was, she, 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 Galitza Hayek is, is my assistant. And she, uh, I first got to know her. She was, uh, Jill Soloway's personal assistant. Mm-hmm. And I've known Jill Soloway. Since about 1989, maybe you did. Did you meet her? I actually dated Jill Oh my gosh! Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, yeah, and then no, I met her before the real labor. I met her because one of my first improv coaches was so fucking lazy that he would have our rehearsals <laughs> at his apartment and he was and he was Jill's live-in boyfriend at the time yeah. and he would lie on the couch uh. while we did improv <sighs> he couldn't even like be bothered to sit upright <laughs> and he was and the thing too is that he was kind of at the time like a like she a improv him. wunderkind like yeah. he didn't yeah. go to college yeah. he was younger than most of the people that were doing the improv yeah. laying on the fucking couch and it just was like even from that time I know that guy I was yeah. I was just like, it sounds like a genius. Sit up, <laughs> sit up. And Put then so I would, on. and then I would meet, and then Jill would, uh, you know, Jill would, you know, wonder, come in, and, yeah, come in yeah. And, into the rehearsal. Yeah, usually accompanied by my future sister-in-law Becky Thayer. Oh, uh, yeah, oh. Which, which is Becky was. Uh, Jill, uh, Jill usually has at least three or four people. Now I think it's like fifty in her thrall. Right, and mm-hmm. and at the time Becky was in her thrall, uh, part of her entourage, <laughs> and and I so I got to know them, got to know the kind of like larger group of fantastically right. crazy improv Chicago women, and and that's how I met and. 
I first met Sarah through Becky reading her letters out loud is the first exposure. I read, reading reading Sarah's? Sarah's? Yeah, yeah. Because she's funny because she's a great writer and she's very funny. Right, right. And then I met her and then I met her once. I met Sarah once in a bar in Chicago when they ha- they just I just happened into a bar and she was visiting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I know you. I, you know, heard heard your letters. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what a great yes, opening I line! Yeah. I know. I've heard your letters <laughs> read out. <laughs> and then, but then it was when we uh, we did the real I Brady Munch in Los Angeles that, and Sarah had finished college, was living in Denver, and then came to L.A. to be with the real I Brady Munch. Oh. That's how we started dating. Oh wow, so, that's a great story. I love and, that. Uh, yeah, and that's, you know. and that the real life Brady Bunch was also kind of your was that your foray. Like, was that how you met Lauren Michaels? And I mean, was, or like you got to know uh, SNL people? No, no, that oh, okay. was all, that was, that was, well, yes. That's and, how you met Davy Jones. That's how I did meet Davy Jones. Okay. And uh, <laughs> yes, who was, who was so fucking great. Davy, best Davy From Jones story. He's, uh, he, he's tiny. Yeah. Very horsey because he had been a jockey. He lives in some little town. <laughs> Very horsey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Well, he's got like <laughs> he's got a bunch of horses. Oh, okay. He's got a bunch of. I mean, horsey. Oh, oh right. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. He lived on a horse right. farm, and I he would he had like big choppers like or something. People with their dogs, where the jockeys right. become like the horse. Exactly. No, no, yeah. no. Right. He told. He told. But he told us all a story about one day getting on his horse, riding the Miniature like pump. three miles into town to the pub with his dog. Getting completely drunk, riding home in the rain, passing out and falling off the horse. And the next day, people in town telling him, oh, I saw you passed out in the ditch with your horse and your dog standing waiting for you (laughs) to wake up. Like nobody stops or anything. So They're just like, hey, you know, like, haha, saw you laying in the ditch, passed out drunk. Poor dog and horse I know waiting like, in the rain. Yeah, Sold know. out by your pets. Just, you just they see, should know to clear out of there. You just see the horse and the dog yeah. just standing there. That's <laughs> fucking, that's life. Um, but yeah, so anyway, uh, I, that, that, me having that office, and it, and it is weird when I, my presence here, there are people that's on the third floor. I'm kind of in the upper corner of the yeah, third floor. Yeah, you're with right. us on the third floor. Because yeah. yes. we've talked a little bit with everyone about the second and third floor dichotomy. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. The third floor is where uh, it happens. As yeah. symbolized the second, by the, yeah. the cool what, that's are. where that's the, the third floor is where the lean is. The second floor is where the fat is. Let's just put it that <laughs> Right. Uh, and yes. uh, lard, so, perhaps? <laughs> no, no, just you know the the stuff that keeps us warm. So right. all of those doesn't really extra <laughs> you know, delicious snacks they're lifting. getting is really just <laughs> yeah. weighing them down. Um, but no, I so I do definitely. I'm on an island there, and and when I was on the real life Brady Bunch, I made my own little island. Oh. It's what I do mm-hmm. when I would yeah. when I would in college, you go to class. I, you know, I like take a, a, a desk kind of outside of the like kind of the normal thing. And I think it's in reaction to all of that kind of like that feeling from a very early age of like uh, of like, hi. Oh, hi. What could what do you have for me? What could give me? Give right, me I need right. something yeah. from you. And so it, it's always had this kind of distance. Mm-hmm. And like the Brady Bunch, or you're just the Brady Bunch was very, I'm not a loner. No, though. No. I wish I were a loner. <laughs> I wish I were a loner because I, I don't, I honestly, I don't, like, when is this airing? I love it if you became a loner. Friday. 
Oh, this is Friday. Okay. I, I wish you became a loner on the show. Like you just stopped talking to Conan and just turned your chair away. Like, well, we don't. Please, honestly, just, we don't. I'm an introvert. We, we talk in rehearsal, but like we don't talk a lot nowadays. Right. But I mean, you know, that's a natural thing when you got families and things. Right. But you know, he is your mother. It's been a, you've kind of run out of things to talk about, probably. It's uh, been a long time. A little bit, yeah. And especially <laughs> because I mean, I, I don't know if this has been covered on this show. He says the same twenty things. <laughs> Over and over and over to the point where you want to just carve your own face off with a jar lid. And he says it every time like it's the first time he's saying uh, it. Yeah. And everybody's got their own, like, like here's what you are to me. Like, you're, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I mean, I'm just, you're Applehead. Yeah. And then it's just like, that's all you are. Now, if Applehead's mom dies, Conan might say, sorry about your mom. And then it's right back to Applehead, yeah. you know, but your because head's it's full like, of yeah, yeah, because right. it's, yeah. <laughs> How do you Maybe. give birth to an apple, by the way? I don't know. But I, I just picked that off the top of my head. <laughs> but yeah, but like, I, 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 my little office up there too reminds me very much of, of family gatherings. I was, and I've said this and, and I say this as like, as a flaw and as something that I wish I could do is that my primary state is in a house full of people, but in a room alone. And uh, and there's something that's like tragic about that to me, something that's like that. And and it's kind of what I am here. I mean, I interacted. There's a lot of people, you know, I have a lot of very close friends here, almost like family. You know, there are people like there are people that have been on this show for, you know, I mean, you're one of them. Yeah. And I mean, but I mean, even down like Steve Hollander, you know, Steve Hollander was a PA and now he's our stage manager. And I I feel closer to him than I do some of my like cousins and mm-hmm. things like there are people on this show John Rao does props yeah. I mean he feels like family to me yes. and I, I see them every not day in, yeah. not in bullshit like uh, we're a family but I mean mm-hmm. really seriously Bill Tull I yeah um, but absolutely Bill's the I same way him unconditionally just when I'm in their presence it is as comfortable as as Somebody that I was raised been, with. You've yeah, been yeah. through crazy shit yeah, together. Yeah, and, and you spent just time. more consecutive hours with yes. them, too. And, and also, too. And, and crazy high pressure things <laughs> where everyone's waiting around for, oh my God, we need this problem yeah, in yeah. five minutes. And we're going to. And so but that's, there's also, too, there's no, there's no hierarchical work shit. There's right. just me and there's just me, the guy, and them, the guy. Or mm-hmm. me, the woman, and you know, right. or me, the man, and her, the woman. You know what? Depending on the gender of the person, right. it's just like, like I don't, you know, I don't get a sense. I mean, people do have to like there are like they have to cater to my schedule when we're doing things, you know, right. and and I do have sort of like say like in props, I might have a supervisory kind of thing like that. Prop is no good. Get another prop. Right. But other than that. That, that was a very hard thing to learn. I, I found coming in when you start here on a late night show and you're producing something and someone goes, all oh, right, here's what we made or right. here's the photo research and going, having realizing you don't oh, like I can it ask and for having to go, yeah. can you look again? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The first few times I felt so self-conscious. To, I, I got I got used to that real quick because yeah, of just you time. Have to. Because of time. Mm-hmm. And I well, and also I, something would get cut if you didn't get it right. right. So there were the only time very quickly. The only time I have ever gotten anybody fired mm. in my showbiz career was uh these pro- some prop people that were on Andy Richter controls the universe who brought in garbage. Right. And in comedy, like one of the one of the I would say 
you know, props, it'd be hard to say which department, but you've got costumes, Mm -hmm. hair, makeup, and props. Mm -hmm. For comedy, they are like fucking surgeon's tools. Yes. If they're wrong, you can yes. it, it, you can ruin the whole off. thing. Yeah. And if they're good, they actually yeah. make th- they think of things you didn't even think of. Yeah. Which is I mean, that's fantastic. And there was happens. a there was a specific bit where I was suppo- it was like a, one of the fantasy sequence and I was like a superman yeah. and I squeezed an old lady's head into a diamond. <laughs> yeah. And and, yeah. and th- so they brought it was like time to fucking do this shot. Right. And they brought like here's your diamonds and it, it was like some sort of something that would be at you know like a display case for like a geologist right. hobbyist of different crystals half of them were broken like like they were just broken in half there was absolutely nothing that would work hmm. and i just and i it was just lazy. It was yeah. just terrible. And it's like, and I, have, I have to squeeze an old lady's head and then hold up a fucking diamond, yeah. like a diamond the size of a grapefruit. Right. You know, it's like, I can't hold up a, a fucking broken, broken geode. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and I'm so, curious how you, you squeeze the old lady's head. I grab, well, it's <laughs> on video. Do they have a fake head that you no, want? No, no. Right, I, okay. I grab the old lady's head and, you know, I don't it's squeeze in my hands. Effects. I sell it with my arms, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that was, I walked away and... Uh, Said like they I want to watch. They got to go. These people. That's I know. That's, because also because I did that's props no fake in diamond. Chicago. That's oh, what, you did. That's what I ended up doing in film production. Um, yeah. That is that I had worked into props and special effects prop rigging. So I, I have like. A, so you know it's possible. I have yes, yeah. and I have, and I also have a, a sense. I mean, I have a sense of professionalism about every. But but also every, in my many you know, years knowing you, you're very mechanically inclined, and you mm-hmm. are great at fixing things whether it's people stuff or like just literally machinery you're very hands-on well thank so, you yes yeah it's I've, something i'm absurd. well thank you yeah, yeah. no i uh, you know i i grew up in building trades yeah in mm. plumbing and carpentry right, right. and things like oh, so that you have you useful know. skills i do oh. i do i can i can do i can do most most simple household things uh and I can, like, I can, electricity I'm not so good with, but I can change, like, I can change light fixtures and light oh, switches. Oh, that's really yep. good. Yeah. But I can't rewire. Like, rewiring. Because that really changes the rewiring, whole atmosphere of a room. Yeah. Rewiring is you something. Can, it's not that, I, I rewired someone's houseboat. Uh-huh. It's because I was staying on it for two weeks. So I was like, they were complaining they didn't have some. So I, I went in a pontoon and figured. Oh, my God. Figured it out and just, I mean, it's. Doing it's, electrical work on the water sounds extremely. It, I, I Dangerous. I had a death wish, but uh, <laughs> I I learned all that stuff too because my mother was so cheap. She stopped calling people to repair things. Yeah, and she yeah. like figure it out. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I'll take the oven apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was but before YouTube. That's true. It is now. I don't do anything. I'm at. Do you still do stuff like that around the house? I do things. I do things that that aren't too much of a hassle. Right. You know, like time, it's that like, don't need a lot of time. Yeah. I, I, it's all, uh, it's, changing it's bulbs. all like a, it's all like a weighing of like, right. Me changing the handle of this faucet, right. like the accessibility of the faucet handle. Right. How long will it take mm-hmm. me to do it? Right. Um, 
There's other things like caulking. I'm terrible at, so Ooh, I'll call somebody sorry. in to caulk because I can't. Yeah, I'm but, just I mean, it's a mess. But also, I, I would do things around the house, and no one gave a shit. Now, like, so I'd be like, well, why am I going to waste? Like, I'd be yeah. like, hey, look, look, I changed a faucet. Dude. <laughs> it's so always, you only what do, do you things if you get credit. My for wife it. and kids would be like, what are you telling me? It's us always for? to me too. A, a lot of the times, those those chores are less about money saving. It's not like I'm not going to pay somebody. It's yeah. more like if I just do it, it'll get fucking done. Right. And yeah. then we, and then I don't have to get into the like, right. well, I can't be here on Tuesday. Right. Right. And I'm like, well, I have to work. And we're like, right. well, can it be Thursday? No, they, you know, like all that and shit's then they're way, and yeah. Then yeah. All that shit's way more frustrating yeah. to me than crawling under the house and changing a valve. You, well, know? you just lost me there. No. <laughs> I got a lot of well, stuff under the house. No, it is fun. It's cozy. Yeah. And no one can get to you. It's the you oh, separating that's right. yourself. Yes, that's true. Under that's true. You've almost set it up like you're alone, apart from the group up in your. I think people are going to try to come and rescue you. <laughs> They're going to try to storm the building. I have said, too, there are people, people whom I genuinely love and have tremendous affection for who work on this show daily that I, I will not see for two weeks at a right. time because I go to my office and I, uh, well, my real pattern is I, I go to, I use the Warner Brothers gym. Mm -hmm. I go to the gym, usually now go home and then uh, go back to my office, go home and shower, go to the office, rehearsal time, go to the stage, go to my dressing room, go to the stage, go out the back door, go home. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's very rare that I'm in other areas of the building. I have like, right. sometimes right. I yeah. see you in the kitchen. Yeah, well, the kitchen, yeah, but that's sort of on the way. And yeah. that's usually just throwing away my lunch because I don't want the food smell in my own office. You know what I kind of love? We were, the point of doing this today was to talk about the new, all the remotes. Oh, yeah. That have gone up. That's right. Our producer just wrote the word uh, remotes down. Like, uh, that's, you know, I, I know. I you, think you, when you we went off on plumbing, you mentioned I think yeah, plumbing was listen, the last straw. Yeah, yeah, us talking about remotes would be so much fucking better than this. Than me talking about wanting to carve my own face off because Conan's repetitive. Hey, that's the real gold. It's more than 20 things. Um, remotes. Here's the thing. I don't remember half of that. I shit, knew you were going to you know? say it. Uh, I don't remember half of that. Yeah, shit. I mean, it was. But I uh, way, Well, ago. I'll tell you the way that remotes evolved. And I used to have an ax to grind about this. I don't anymore because I don't care. But you do care, Andy. You care too much. You're so. You're like from the Scott Ackerman school of interruptions. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you did, you'd be insulted. I won't interrupt. Uh, uh, all right. We'll just edit that out um, or amplify it. If, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's like, oh, here's a story. Uh, You're working up steam. Here we go. I'm Got sorry. some momentum. I'm just sorry. about to get to something. I apologize. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. Go ahead. Remote started. I'll be in, back to read a commercial. Oh, my God, Go ahead. Did it again. Did it. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> just can't help well, what a, In the early, in the early days. I have Ackerman in an earpiece. He's when telling the, me when the fucking go, Conan go, go, show. Go, go, go. go now. The okay. Conan show still had Afterbirth on it. <laughs> Robert Smigel came to me and said, hey, here's an idea. And I, I also do in those days, I was not like, I did not come into the situation based on my previous, my previous, uh, my opening 
monologue here. I did not come into this thing looking for ways for Andy Richter to shine on television. Like I just like I that's never how I was. And I, you know, and I was in improv, too. So it was you were always, hired originally to be a writer. I was oh. I was the first writer hired. Oh, wow. Sorry to interrupt. I, no, that's all right. Yeah. yeah. No, I was the first writer hired um, and I was hired. Uh, you asked this uh, because of the real life Brady Bunch um, was in New York and a Actually, a couple of friends of mine were on SNL for one season, Melanie Hutzel and Beth Cahill, Betty Cahill. And because of their connection to SNL, I would go hang out with them mm-hmm. and go see them in SNL. And I met Robert and Robert and oh, I hit it Robert off. you met Robert Smigel. I met okay. Robert Smigel there oh, in New yeah, York there, and there we hit it off. Yeah, something there with and it was just, okay. But it was just like, you know, like we hit it off because, you know, we're funny guys right. in a similar way and, and appreciated each other's being funny. Mm-hmm. Then when the Brady Bunch went to L.A., um, Beth, who is a very good friend of mine, came out to L.A. to do whatever SNL people do in L.A. for the summer. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and Robert cars. came out to work on what I guess was the Hans and Franz script. Uh-huh. And the three of us and, and a couple other people, we hung out. We'd go out and, and, and socialize. And then... Then I got a part. I was back in Chicago. I got a part in the movie Cabin Boy. I was in L.A. I'd done Cabin Boy. Was literally looking for like a like when I got hired on the Conan show the same day I got a call that I'd gotten a job as an assistant manager in a movie theater in Westwood. Oh, wow. Which I was <laughs> I was already terrified that I would be behind the fucking counter selling popcorn when uh, Cabin Boy was on the screen. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, it's really me. So, but no, I was able to say, I'm sorry, I got a job. But I, Conan, or um, Robert asked me, hey, I'm working with this guy, Conan, who I just heard, like, and I'd sat in front of uh, Bob Odenkirk and Carol Leifer at a Jeff Garland taping. Uh, Jeff Garland had a sitcom where <laughs> wow. he played a Ralph Cramdenish cop. And uh, <laughs> I can't see him taking a civil service test. And uh, and I was uh, I was sitting in front of them, eavesdropping on Bob talking about Conan and Conan's my friend and this and that right. and that. So I was like, oh, this is that Conan guy. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was out there with uh, Kate Flannery for another mm-hmm. another name drop mm-hmm. who I've known for a who Kate Flannery and I yeah, were in the our very first improv classes together in um, that apartment. So. So I, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> Jesus, I swear to God. What's, what, I won't why, say why another in word. That apartment? How, what does that add? I, I don't know. What does anything add? <laughs> it was add? a class. No, the, the apartment was oh, for rehearsals. What does, uh, what does Bob Odenkirk mentioning his friend Conan add? It, it's how I heard about okay. Conan. All right. I'm leading up to my okay. introduction to Conan O'Brien. I will O'Brien. stop. So I'm going to be informed on my, on my podcast. You're right. Go ahead. So, <laughs> Robert says, "I'm wor- I'm going to be head writer on this Conan show. Do you want to meet him? Possibly get a job as a writer? Sure, I say. We go to Junior's Deli." Look it up. It's been well documented. Okay. Uh, Conan apparently goes right back to Robert and says, hire this guy. I love him. Because I did things like when they put the knish down on the table, which he was like, 
it was like I'd ordered a baby's head, uh, <laughs> you know, for him. I said, yeah, I had borscht in a knish. Yeah. Right. And he was just like, <laughs> like I'd ordered, <laughs> like, oh, here comes the monkey brains. Uh, and uh, and the, when the knish, the, that particular knish, the way that they were made, it had like a knob of dough on the top. Yeah. And when they set it down, I leaned in close to him and I just went, it looks like a tit. And um, and I knew it. like that was yeah. that was like like that's the kind of thing it's the kind of play you make in a job interview right. that's either going to score big or lose you the job right. uh-huh. and I felt like it looks like a tit <laughs> with this guy was probably a winner and he it was delight it delighted him yes. so uh, so he uh, that's great he had job never it, seen a tit at that that's point. that's good job that's interview right. advice <laughs> and you were uh, giving him good information no if you're at I a just, job interview. I could instantly tell I could be as stupid as I wanted to be right. in in like the best, like the happiest, the ways, the stupid that makes you the happiest. Right. And apparently he got to Robert and was like, hire him, hire him, hire him. Mm. And Robert's like, well, let's see what he writes. So I actually went to San Francisco where my wife was, sta- my wife to be at the time was staying. And I had never written a packet or anything. I didn't. So I just was like. Uh, I don't know. It sounds like uh, talk showy things. And I um, was at Jill Soloway's house, used Jill Soloway's uh, 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 typewriter and oh, her and her beige paper. I was like, you don't have white paper? <laughs> She's like, no, I have beige paper. I was like, this is not very professional. But I didn't go to the fucking CVS and buy white paper. I just used her beige mm-hmm. paper. And um, and I wrote I wrote up this stuff and it, I mean and it wasn't bad it was you know it was, it was an okay packet for someone who's just your first dry run at yeah. writing a packet but did you already um, know they I, loved you like that would I did not uh, okay. mm. I did not right, okay. I knew I knew we, I knew we had fun yeah. I knew that we yeah. had had fun but right. I didn't know right, right, like right. and then, and then no it was very daunting to me to be right. a writer you right. know sure. Um, and and then uh, and that's how I got hired and uh, and so I you got hired off your very first packet you ever wrote yeah yeah wow yeah that has never happened to anyone no. else <laughs> but it was also it wasn't just I mean I also was coming into it I think I think somewhere yeah. in Robert's mind they knew that I would be a hybrid yeah. of performer and and it may have even been in Robert's mind that I was going to be a sidekick on wow. the show mm-hmm. Robert and it wouldn't and it would. It would make complete sense to me with Robert to think Conan at at and especially at that point in his Conan-ness, it might be a f- good thing to have him have a sidekick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially because there hasn't been a sidekick for a long time. So already it's kind of like we were already in the mind of like recycling tropes that had been kind of put off to the side a little bit and kind of having a throwback of kind of the look of the show and the feel of the show being kind of more, you know, not trying to be, you know, John Stewart in a leather jacket and a t-shirt, like Mm -hmm. to try to, you know, that's now. Yeah. But but I mean, yeah, no, that's what we've become. That's what we've become now that we're like, you know, divorced dads moving to Marina Del Rey. Uh, But, uh, but so that was, I think, I think that that was probably in Robert's mind because then I, there had also been this talk that we were going to have like a sort of a, um, 
uh, repertoire, a uh, repertory of, of characters, mm-hmm. which would have been, you know, like me and Dino and, and Louis C.K. And I, I think maybe, I don't know if McCann was there at that point. He wasn't. Yet. Yeah. Or Stack. Was Stack there? Stack wasn't. Mm. But, they but started was, after Yeah. Me. But they were going to yeah. be like perform, like we we're right. going to have performers that would, that would be. A uh, sketch troupe. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. A la Steve Allen. Because Steve Allen, mm-hmm. you know, had Tim Conway and Carol Burnett. And, mm-hmm. and Robert came to me one day and said, hey, uh. Well, he had already, from the very first test shows, uh, which the first test show was just, they, it was uh, Bob Costas's later set. And they just right. had Conan basically sit in a chair and put lights and cameras on him. And Robert, I was in my office and I saw Conan on the monitor and he said, go sit with him. I was like, okay, keep him company. Just keep him talking. So I sat with him. And he and I already had shtick around the office. Mm-hmm. Like he, he had shtick like, because... He did this. He doesn't do it so much anymore, but he had this very, what I found to be a very aggressive thing to do, which is to just, <laughs> while you're at your desk trying to write comedy for his fucking show, he would come in with his guitar yeah. and stand a fucking foot from you and play some goddamn hillbilly or rockabilly thing that you'd heard a thousand fucking times. And, uh, and he would just stand there. And most people just were frozen in sort yes. of, Awkward, like, okay. It's terrifying. Yeah. But what I would do is I would get up and I'd go, Whoa! Yeah! <laughs> do it! Yeah! Whoa! Uh, <laughs> and it usually would make him kind of back off, you know? Like, sure. it's called aggressive yes and yeah. Out aggressive, right. um, yeah. And, and, so we ha- and so we had a thing. We had kind of like... Like, you know, like smarty and dummy, you know, and, mm-hmm. and right. uh, like routines that we did around the office mm-hmm. that we just fell into naturally and, and, and trade off, you know, like, like, you know, one of us would top and one of us would bottom when it came to smarty and dummy, we'd sort of mm-hmm. trade right. it off. Um, so it was already like, it wasn't a surprise to go sit, talk to him. Cause we already, you know, had a thing. Yeah. And then as those test shows went on, every test show, it was... Go out there, stand with him. Okay. And then after a few of those, and they're very informal. Like one was just like a cooking segment. Like some cook came in and cooked something just so he could practice that kind of thing. And then Robert called me in his office and said, or no, he came into my office, said, hey, would you be interested in being the sidekick? And I was like, oh, I was kind of hoping to be like one of the sketch players. And he's like, well, okay, well, think about it. And I said, and I said, yeah, and I should talk to my wife about it. Although I don't even know if we were married. We weren't married yet. And he left my office and like the door shut as he left my office. And I was like, who the fuck am I kidding? Yeah. Like- who the fuck am I kidding? Do you want to be on TV it? every night? Right. No, I think I'd rather be on TV, maybe, you know, averaging one and a half nights a week, you know? Yeah. So I was I'm like, yeah, turn down the promotion. yeah, yeah. And then, and then we did a number of tests. We did about two weeks of test shows. And I just assumed I've, I've been blessedly, blissfully ignorant about, about a lot of things. And one of them was, oh, I'm going to be on this show. And I did these test shows and I just, you know, was there being myself, uh, Robert, uh, Robert endorsed, you know, just like do whatever you want, say whatever you want. Don't be shy. And then after one of the last test shows, somebody came to me right. Jeff Ross, I think, came to me right before we were supposed to go on and said, uh, "Leave your leave your suit on after the show. You're going to dinner with Lauren." Oh boy! So I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so Conan and I got in a car with Eugene, 
uh, Lauren's driver, his notorious driver at the time. And we were taken to a restaurant and ushered to a table where there sat Lauren and Steve Martin. Ah. Wow. Yeah. And it was the four of us having dinner, and, uh, you know. No big deal. Yeah. And I had to kind of <laughs> like, you know, I had to say some stuff, but I don't, I, you know. Did you do the tit make... joke again? <laughs> no, I <laughs> The tit joke? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. That bread didn't look right. <laughs> like, bring me another. Do you have a bool? <laughs> do you have a bool that you could maybe stick a biscuit on top? That takes um, the pressure of talking to Lauren off to having Steve Martin right there. Yes, yes. That's true. It's a very clever ploy in his part. Yeah. No, Lauren, uh, yeah, Lauren, I, uh, my contact with Lauren was very minimal, mm -hmm. uh, except for him. In, <laughs> like a couple, there were a couple different times when we had our Christmas party in the studio when uh, times were tight or something. And he would <laughs> pop in very late. And two years, uh, I don't know if they were in a row, he, he saw me and said, oh, Andy, um, you're, oh, you're still with the show, eh? Yeah. Like the same joke. Uh -huh. you know, you know. He also, too, he, he, he's like, it's kind of funny in a way. And I mean, I know so many people that know him better that have a real affection for him. I mean, uh, and so I, I trust them. But like after the first, after our debut night, we got back to... Uh, Everyone got back to their desks and there was a Tiffany desk clock that had late night with Conan O'Brien, September 13th, 1993 engraved on it. And the card said, uh, it's been a pleasure working with you, Lorne. <laughs> Past tense. Past yeah, fucking yeah. tense. That's great. And it's such, and it's like, that's not by chance. That's not like, that's not like, like there's like, you know, great job and yeah. here's to many more. Yes, exactly. That's what somebody right. who's not a mind fucker Covering right. all the bases. It's been great working with you. Well, going back for a second, it sounds like the way that it all played out organically with you becoming the sidekick would probably freed you up to be yourself a lot more than if they had said, all right, we're auditioning sidekicks come in, you know, there's a, a line of people. Oh like yeah. Well, that's just, that's just good taste. That's just good yeah. taste in understanding comedy. Mm -hmm. I mean, to, to, for that. Yeah. No, I don't think Robert, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm not in his head and I've actually never asked him mm -hmm. at what point did you think Andy should be the sidekick on yeah. the show? Yeah. Right. How soon did he know? Uh, I always heard it was right away. Just, yeah. Well, that, that, I mean, that it, would it, make it, sense, yeah. you know? Like the um, second, I, I had always, but not any detailed way. Once you and Conan met and it would just clicked right away. It was like, oh, Andy should be the sidekick. Yeah. But he was still sort of playing it right. cool, I think, it sounds right, like. Right, right. Well, I did, sure. you know... Uh, we'll have to talk to ask Robert. Yeah. There was... We'll to get him on. Robert, yeah, well, Robert, you know, Robert was very encouraging to me. And I'm going to be really frank here for a second. Robert was very encouraging to me early on about um, be as funny as you can be. Mm -hmm. Do as much as you can. Be mm -hmm. as funny as you can be. Mm -hmm. And after about a month and a half or so, he said, take it back a notch. Oh, uh-huh. And he said, it's not because you're not being funny. You're being funny. You're but being take too it back funny. a notch. <laughs> and that was, I mean, I am a producer of a television show on this particular show. And I understand, like, I can understand that 
Mm-hmm. I can understand that note. Mm-hmm. And it's a useful note. It's a necessary note. But as a performer and as a person who's like growing his own like artistic persona on this mm-hmm. kind of endeavor, it was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. You know, like your and, wings are I, being clipped a little bit. A little bit. But I mean, but that's not the nature of the beast, you know. And, and It's like you telling me not to interrupt. Uh, that's true. You haven't said a thing in the last. I'm really scared. <laughs> He's never going to speak just, again. It's, that's listen. okay. No, but, I did, yeah, but here's the difference. I didn't have an intermediary. <laughs> I said it right to your fucking face. Yes, you did. Yeah. I like it. It's bracing. I was like, uh, you, you fixed like, my suit. I was like, uh, let's check the list of who's the alpha here. <laughs> oh, look. Hey, hey, alpha. Andy. Top of the call sheet. Yeah. yeah. No, but uh, remotes. I'm al- alpha male around houseplants. Remotes started out. <laughs> <laughs> Very tough. Remotes started. Robert says to me, the marathon's being run. I had an idea. Uh, you run the marathon, mm-hmm. but because you're busy and you don't like to run that much, you do it uh, in segments over days, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I was able to. Go, and that was all I that needed. That's great. Like, oh, OK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went and produced that piece and, you know, right. and stopped in pizza places right. and, you know, like jogged through a museum or something with the number on, you know, yeah. in street clothes with it on. And so it started the first day. It's like, oh, he's going to be in the marathon. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. you guys, but then it, did just, it go all it week. Goes, it goes, yeah, it goes <laughs> oh, over a number of days. I may even have been like in a pedicab right. at one point, you know, just like, it's like, it's funny. Like the third day, it's like, just the premise. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. still yeah. out he's there. Still right? out there yeah. running the marathon. <laughs> um, so that was the first really kind of in the field piece that wasn't just a sketch shot right, somewhere right, in the building. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I don't. I'm, it may have been I went to the Super Bowl or something. I saw and the Mardi Gras. You went to Mardi. Gras. I went to Mardi Gras, and that was that was, and all of these things were. The striking thing about them was. There's no way to know how to do them. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no way to know. Like, there's no. I went to film school, but they didn't teach you. Go out and shoot 20 hours of footage yeah. and make seven right. hours of right. comedy. Like, you were know, you in there? Were you helping edit them or was it? Oh, writer absolutely. Doing? Okay. No, absolutely. It was. And that was the that was the absolute brutality right. of those early days. Yes. Is I would. I'd go to the fucking Arkansas State Fair and come back with the with the the footage and go right. right to the you know right to the room. I would I would make accommodations for myself in that like I wouldn't stay till five in the morning. I'd leave yeah. at two because right. I have to be on the fucking television. Right. But it still was like it was a grind. You know? I, I'm really curious. I watched one. I think you were at the Super Bowl and. You were doing live throughout the show. You were live at the still live at the Super Bowl. Yeah. But then you'd throw to tape pieces that were really well edited. And yes. I was like, how did how did you do that? Like you did. So you edited it probably at the facility at the Super Bowl during the morning or something. I'm, that I'm, I'm not exactly curi- that. Yeah. Those yeah. I did not edit. All right. Those I did not edit. And I think what they did is that they went to the NBC affiliate. Probably. Beamed them to New York and then right. they cut them in right, New York. Right, right. Okay. And I think we were there the day before. Okay. Because, you know, there's all that press shit before. Right, right. the press day. I, and we didn't do, we did that. Yeah. Mardi Gras, we went the previous weekend. Right. And shot a mm. bunch of shit. And then... And then I came and did the show on, I flew back, did the show on Monday. Right. And then flew back to New Orleans to and Monday night 
to be there for Fat Tuesday. Right. So I had been there all weekend, flew back to do a show on Monday, flew back to New Orleans on, for the live section on Tuesday. And that was the... How many hours do you think you shot for that one? I don't... I, don't, yeah, I, don't, was it, I mean, it, it would be like... It would probably be like... Uh, minimum of 15. Wow. You know? Do you remember if you were able to have fun at Mardi Gras, like this really fun thing? Or was <laughs> oh, it just it like, awesome. oh, I'm working. Oh, no, no, no. I, well, because yeah. also, like, I um, I don't get that uptight. I, I mean, it's right. and it's it's a blessing. It's I, And I don't like the word blessing because I'm not religious, but I don't, I, I. It's a blessing. Yeah. But I mean, I don't get that <laughs> uptight. I don't, I don't lock up. No. And I never have. And I don't. Well, I mean, early on in improv, I used to. But I think that w- that was what improv right. did for me is doing, especially when I was doing a lot of improv. I was on stage for, you know, 12 hours a week without any idea what I was going to say. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so, no, not really. There were intimidating things like like the one that I will always remember. And when I really felt like I have no fucking idea what to do here is. You're going to go to this parade. You're going to go to, you know, like this, this bar. You're going to go to this, like, you know, booby contest or whatever the fuck goes on in New Orleans. <laughs> right. And then, and then like, and then you're going to go, you're going to go interview little Richard in his hotel room. Oh, wow. And then you're going to go. I went to fucking little Richard's yeah. hotel room <laughs> to interview little Richard about Mardi Gras with like bare, like somebody like shoved like one sheet of like kind of researchers is yeah. like a uh, little Richard, uh, you know, he sang tutti frutti. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I know that. Um, Check out that hair. And he, don't mention was, the lazy eye, but he was, uh, <laughs> is that true? it was, he had, oh, no, I don't know. it was a room full of like 12 relatives, all male relatives, Ooh. very deferential with him. Mm-hmm. He right. didn't come in. We came in and sat, sat down uh in our extreme whiteness yeah and and then he came out and is one of the most strikingly bizarre individuals that you will see mm. in, yes yes because first of all his face is gigantic yeah it's <laughs> he just has a just huge a head. and i mean i have a big head right he has a really big head yeah. mm-hmm. that was made up <laughs> in that had Full lots makeup. of lots of like really strikingly odd like colored makeup mm-hmm. right. so and you and and the way everyone <laughs> the way everyone like reacts around him is if if it's like an exotic unpredictable bird right you know mm. right and i think if i remember correctly he had on like a long kind of like house coaty purple right. thing that was almost like a choir robe right mm-hmm. and then we sit down and i don't know what the fuck to <laughs> you know i don't i don't have a, a clue as to what Could i did other than just colors just stared at that huge face <laughs> wow. and was like that's little fucking richard and, you know, two months ago, I was on my mom's couch <laughs> worrying about like like worrying about having to wait tables again. Right. You know, I have to watch. And the, the other Mar- the other good Mardi Gras story is Louis C.K. came down to produce the live version. And oh, this is ironic. This Uh-oh. is. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, uh, this is actually now it's kind of chilling. Um, <laughs> chilling. Irony. Uh, here, here it comes. We kept because we would show. Well, first of all. We had, and he was a local cameraman on on the on the balcony. We're at the Bourbon Orleans on a balcony. You had hired a local, yeah, guy to shoot. Uh, it. Yeah, we had a local guy, right. uh, a, a, a local guy shooting, and he had he had a telephoto lens, mm-hmm. 
And you know, and there's the the showing the tits yes. and showing, yep. but I mean, lots of dick showing too. You know, uh, nowadays it's become very egalitarian. Yeah, yeah. But um, so this guy, this cameraman, it would be like we're going to lunch. I'm all right. Just shot titty all fucking day, <laughs> all day long, and it was on the feed in Rockefeller Center, and everybody told me. That titty parade yeah. was on every television oh, in the building. Oh, I bet. Somebody saw Tom Brokaw uh, on oh a treadmill oh. watching our titty feed. <laughs> saw him in the gym just watching the entire, did not change the channel for his, his entire life. workout. You know, <laughs> He's never He's run He's trying so to catch far. that screen. <laughs> He's so not were, coming any closer. Yeah. Are we out of... We're out of time. <laughs> We're out of time. You know what they uh, people really love your old Woodstock remote. Oh, oh, I just good. wanted to mention that. Oh, you, thank you. You went in '94, I think. I did. I did. Yeah, that was. Uh, I went. My contribution was like I, I said. I wanted to wear a suit, but it was so fucking hot that the most I could pull off was a sport coat because it was yeah. really bad. Yeah. And then it was Robert's idea to um, to try and get bites of people's food. Mm-hmm. Which I think was I, I haven't seen it in a while. Were women um, showing their breasts at Woodstock? <laughs> they were, yes, yeah. they were, they were absolutely <laughs> Not no for beads. beads. And then, and then we did Just for sort dime of like bags. we did. Robert and I at the same time came up with like I got to slide down that right. fucking mud hill, right. <laughs> and I got and I've said this before I got poison ivy from that. Oh, about from yeah, the, the slide down. Yeah, because I went at the bottom. Oh, yeah, no. because right after that I went I went back to Illinois to visit my family and I had this rash all over my body is oh. really all over the side of my torso is really super itchy and i you know like went to my mom's dermatologist and he was like oh no that's poison ivy and that's the only <laughs> place i could have gotten have you been rolling down any hills? <laughs> yeah the other th- the other thing that i wish we had gotten on camera was because jimmy vivino was there playing with John Sebastian oh. of the Love and Spoonful? Mm-hmm. So Jimmy Vivino was our guitar, our, our band leader, our guitarist. Now. And he was back, and and I was, and I so because then after I went in the mud, then we had the idea I should go interview the bands covered in mud, right. which is you know. So I That's interviewed really Melissa Etheridge and yep. Crosby, Stills and Nash. Yeah. But after after we're done, that was that was our last thing because I'm covered in mud and I'm wrapped. And uh, I wish I had it on tape, but. Jimmy found a garden hose and hosed me off like in the like in the in the cluster of where all like, you know, where like like right outside where Cypress Hills trailer was like right in front of Cypress Hills trailers. Oh, that's just me standing there being hosed off like a baby elephant. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Wow. Well, Andy, thank you so much. You're welcome. I um, will definitely have you back. Yeah. I'm going to guess sometime in June, maybe. This, right. this is the episode that'll probably win you the potty. <laughs> <laughs> we're always yeah, gunning whereas, for the potty. Yeah. <laughs> We've been nominated so many times. Yes. But yeah, thanks, Andy. And, uh, Please come back. We'll, we'll come visit you over in your, in your corner. I'll be even more docile next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andy. I'm thanks. sorry that, that I scolded you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into some listener questions. Hi, this is Josh from Birmingham, Alabama, and I think I have a solution for the diet soda situation. If there's Coke Zero 
and the Vons brand, why not just give half to one floor and half to the, to the other? You know, just kind of mix it up so everybody has a, a choice between both. Hope that helps somebody. Thanks. Bye. Hmm. Wow, Josh. Josh, thanks for calling. Yeah. It sounded like you were calling from the 1950s. <laughs> I don't know what phone equipment you are using. A spaceship. He's on the other side of the moon. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess my answer to that is why doesn't the government just give half of rich people's money to poor people and then there won't be poor people anymore? I mean, yeah. that seems like that would solve all of the country's poverty issues. Yeah, Josh. <laughs> And by the way, is there really a Josh in Birmingham, Alabama? I don't think so. This 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 question. Yeah, I mean that. I, I yeah. He's right though. He's right. That would make sense, but that's not how it's going to happen. It no. just it doesn't work that way. The second floor will not tolerate the redistribution of their Coke Zeros. Yeah, Josh, you've got to take your blinders off. The world is not. I, know. I wish you're, the world worked that way. You're seeing the world through Josh-colored glasses. But we're stuck with Vons on three. But yeah, if anyone else has suggestions for how to solve this crisis. Yes. We'll treat them we equally will. as lovingly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, do we have time for one more question? Sure. Great. Hi, Jesse and Mike. I wanted to know, after hearing the podcast, I heard about how many rewrites are needed for some of these sketches that are put on the show and how many exhaustive rehearsals go through. Um, are the executions of these sketches sometimes uh, disappointing for maybe the writer? And, uh, you know, oftentimes I see Conan uh, will break during a sketch and criticize the sketch throughout it. Is that is that really, that's not planned? And is that disruptive for the writer or is that, you know, disappointing in, in the overall execution after so many days of rewriting and rehearsing. Thanks. That's uh, a good question. Yeah. I would say off the top, not all sketches go through exhaustive rewrites. They don't. No. no. A lot of them. Like Andre Dubachet last night uh, wrote a sketch called Sports Blast with Andy Richter. Right. And that one, I think, went pretty much exactly as it was rehearsed. I don't believe a word was changed. To yes. the show. Which yeah. is quite often the case. We, thought, just on this show, I mean, that's boring. No. We, right, I'm, right. We, we don't like we, success. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we've looked at ones that kind of have more of an evolution because it, it kind of, we think it There's reveals just more the to process. talk about, yes. Right. Um, but yeah, what, what he mentioned uh, when Conan picks apart parts of the sketch or when it falls apart. Right. Uh, I mean, I think sometimes it's definitely not planned, first no. of all. Uh, but sometimes that can almost be a godsend. A blessing. If, uh, if, if things start to derail and then it actually becomes funnier. Yes. That it things didn't everything. work out as opposed to having to just sit in your, in your, the sincerity of yes. the script that you wrote. People, I, I, when you're watching, t I, when you really know right away that something wasn't planned, it's you're watching something go off the rails. It's very compelling. Yeah, as but, in real life. But I also, I mean, it's and and you know, there's so many variables with how a sketch 
uh, plays out on the show. Yes. And sometimes, you know, maybe an actor flubs a line or even right. Conan or Andy flub a line. Oh, God. I know. It happens. Um, but or, or just a, a prop doesn't uh, isn't timed right. right or a sound effect doesn't come in at the right time. I mean, that that stuff happens constantly. Or, or the dog that was supposed to bark just wanders up into the audience. Yeah. Dogs are dog. um, almost never do what they're supposed to right. do. And never use cats. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, cats are completely untrainable. Yeah. Avoid cats at all times. Um, but we digress. But I, I mean, sometimes that can then if Conan comments on that, it actually becomes. Right, right funnier and um it's great then everyone wins. i think everyone's yeah usually okay with i'm that. always i mean i don't care about anything except for the laughs so i'll yes. take credit even if the laughs right came right from something that i did not write that bad prop was my idea yeah yeah that was handed <laughs> in fire. late that was also my idea but anyway, yeah, if uh, if anyone else has a question or comment for us, Yes, please. we love them. Yeah. Please send them in. Even trolls. I mean, why everyone's been so positive. Yeah. I'm ready. I want to I want to rip us to rip us apart. Deal with some trolls. Maybe Andy'll call in. But so uh we you can email us at insideconan at gmail.com. And also, you've got to go to uh teamcoco.com and check out the 25 years of remotes, over 350 remotes. Yeah. Going back to September of 1993. It's a lot. There's a lot on there. And I don't want to hear mm -hmm. any more complaints from people who are like, when, where, when can we watch the old stuff? Right. Until you go on there and you watch all 350 remotes. I think that's fair. You do not get to complain. It's homework. Oh, look, here's get the busy. phone number. The phone number you can call to uh, yes. talk to us. Well, not us, but a voicemail is 323-209-5303. Great. Standard rates apply. So to check out all those great remotes, go to teamcoco.com slash Conan 25. That's where all the remotes are. They're waiting for you. Uh, just hours and hours for you to spend not doing other things. I think that's the that's end of our, our show. show. That is our show. Wow. We, uh, this we had to fast. bump. We had, we had Jordan Schlansky We had him waiting literally room. waiting in the waiting room. We and were we, going to talk to him. And Andy just... Uh, Andy talked for too long. Uh, Andy was great. Well, no. Just long enough. So we'll we'll try to get to Jordan. I, Jordan, I took great pleasure in bumping Jordan. That was fun. I'm just worried. He's so busy. I don't know if we'll be able that's to get true. him... That's true. Back on the air, but he we'll might try. be sending an email. We'll try our best. Anyway, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you. We like you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Kevin Bartelt. Engineered by Will Beckton. Mixed by Ryan Connor. Supervising producer is Aaron Blaird. Associate producer, Jen Samples. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross. Jeff Team, Ross. Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. Ta-da! This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. 
because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle, follow your crave.